am in tech online. JBA here and welcome to bonus episode 25 of diversity and mentorship in technology where we continue the conversation about diversity, mentorship, careers, and business in technology with our guest. Each bonus episode is tied to a show episode, so don't forget to check that out first if you haven't already done so. Now, once more, it's time to reintroduce our guest, Ross, and get into a deeper discussion regarding the topic of the week, digital marketing. So, Ross, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Let's do it. Awesome. So, I know Hustle & Grind, you know, one of the, the stats that we had uh, mentioned was has 128,000 followers on Instagram. Give users and listeners a little bit of understanding of what Hustle and Grind is and how it came about. Yeah, so Hustle and Grind is an online platform for entrepreneurs. We focus on three kind of key things. One is creating content that will help entrepreneurs improve their business, improve their careers, improve their lives. And that's through blog posts, that's through ebooks, that's through resources, things of that nature. In addition to that, we have an e-commerce store where we sell coffee, we sell coffee mugs, we sell t-shirts, we sell hoodies, we sell posters, a handful of different things. And our artwork has actually been bought and put up in startups and Fortune 500 companies all over the world uh, with our inspirational posters. So our focus and our mantra is all around helping entrepreneurs reach success and achieve it on their own terms. So we create content around that. We sell products that help them kind of achieve their goals. And really, that's it. Our Instagram account started as really a passion project. And then it just kind of took off where it became its own idea and it became its own entity. So our Instagram today has over 125,000 followers. We're Hustle Grind Co. on Instagram. If you want to check us out, definitely uh, give us a follow. Um, but yeah, it's been a fascinating journey to kind of see that account go from zero to 100,000 followers plus. Awesome. I wanted to talk about a little bit in terms of your earlier ventures where in the marketing journey, the university, you mentioned the fantasy football blog. How did that work? And I know obviously the football season's you know <laughs> underway and, and people are sure. doing uh, uh, a lot of the talk about what's coming. So what was that for you, the fantasy football blog? How did that come about? Yeah. So I always had a passion for fantasy sports. It's something that has been a side hobby and a passion of mine for many years. And it really kickstarted by just having this idea and this interest in writing about it. I always wanted to create content about fantasy sports. So I started to do that. I wrote a blog every day for uh, probably two years where I was just creating content about who you should start your lineup, who should you bench, who are the best people to grab off of the free agency in fantasy sports. All of this content, and I was creating it every single day while I was in school. So I'm a big fan of the side hustle. And I like to think that that was my initial side hustle, where I was doing it on the side to kind of build skills that would help me later on. Um, while I was in school, studying marketing, studying HR, studying uh, Shakespeare, and things that I didn't really care too much about, but I knew I had to do to get my degree. So fantasy football was my interest. It was my passion. I was able to build a lot of insight around content marketing, about distributing your content, about building an audience and all of those things that school wasn't actually teaching. So I used that skill to kind of create my career. And the, the end of the story as it relates to the fantasy football blog is a little bit funny because the traffic was on, it was like a rocket ship. It was just blowing up. Tons of people were visiting it. It was getting picked up by tons of larger media companies all over the world. But my marks in school started to drop. So my mom I had a tough conversation with me where she said, look, Ross, I know you're, I know that you love this fantasy football blog, but you, you've got a degree to get. Like, we're not putting you in school and you're able to just like flunk out. So 
I had to end the fantasy football blog. And at that point, my mom said, why don't you switch from writing about fantasy to writing about marketing? So she kind of kickstarted the entire idea of Rossin.com. And that's been uh, my journey ever since where I share my ideas on marketing from there. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting because, you know, sometimes people and young kids and I mentor and talk to as well, they hear the stories in the old days. Oh, you know, Bill Gates dropped out. And I say it's one in, right. one in a billion chance, right? But in the, in the so end of the day, if you look at Shark Tank, uh, it's a, kind of a show I like to watch as well. Even though, you know, the entrepreneurs on there will, will really push for schooling, especially some of those young entrepreneurs, because a lot of things yeah. you, you learn that you really can't get or you don't get, you know, if you're not you know, working with your peers and, and, and really exactly. understanding, developing those real relationships in that environment. So, and I think that's one of the biggest things. It's the relationships that you build in the school and like those relationships where you're spending late nights studying together that can't be replaced. Um, and they're really yeah. important. Absolutely. I want to go to budgeting for digital marketing. Now, obviously as a content marketer, you know, people hire the different teams, or if you're looking at a business, uh, large or small, you know, that's usually what we're uh, a green kind of is the first hire, but from a budgeting perspective, let's say you have a marketing team, you want to develop a marketing team and you can only maybe afford two digital marketers. How do you, how does somebody go about finding the right budget for a, the digital marketer and the B for the, I'm assuming a content that they'll have to create. Right. So I think the, the key is to understand kind of what, how much, like it's always going to depend on the organization. So it always depends on how much budget you have. I think that from there, you also have to recognize that if you, it's always cheaper to hire somebody who is ambitious, somebody who you see a lot of potential that has the ability to do something later on and is going to actually be skilled in the future uh, than it is to hire an expert right away. So like if you hire somebody who you know has the potential, but they haven't gotten an opportunity, that's a great person that you can bring in for a lower cost. Um, and then you can build their skills, you can develop their talent, and then over time, they will be a rock star for you and they'll be able to achieve success for your organization. I think that one of the other things that you need to keep in mind that it is, um, it might seem expensive to hire a professional, but it's way more expensive to fix the mistakes of an amateur later on. So you need to recognize that sometimes you do have to allocate budget to bring in somebody who's experienced, somebody who has expertise in a certain space, and then embrace the idea of giving them full reign of the budget to help you allocate it appropriately. When you think about it, at the end of the day, like our online presence is not something that we should take lightly. The same way that people judge you when they walk into your storefront, they're going to judge you when they visit your Facebook account for the first time, your Twitter, your blog, your website, any of that content can be the first impression for many of your, your customers and your audience. So you need to ensure that you're allocating budget around the fact that this is just as important as your storefront or as your business when you reach out to someone and have that first interaction. Really great advice. And just want to highlight some things there at DMIT. It's, you know, hire for potential. And we do that here, you know, we run a few intern programs, but also we do have experts that can manage and guide those younger recruits. So it's a combination of the two that if you're trying to, you know, allocate your budget, you will need some experts to understand let's hit the ground running from day one, but also uh, hiring for potential is a really good aspect because you'll, you know, part of this, the, the diversity candidate thing when you're looking for candidates you normally would not maybe look at, right, in, in the right. scheme of things who have really great potential. It's an amazing opportunity to allow them to succeed in, in areas where they may have a passion for. So really, really great advice from Ross. One thing I wanted to add in terms of statistics. Now, as you can probably know, there's hundreds of digital statistics out there. Some of them are more true than others, right? Let's just say that. Right. Uh, <laughs> so 
where do you go for your outside of you know Google Analytics, your own blog? Let's say you're trying to do a, a study, but you're not really running your own study. You're trying to find information. Where are some places that you go or trust that are maybe you see doing data in the right way that you rely on for maybe some some initial tidbits? Yeah, so there's a few key sites. One of the sites that I rely on heavily is Statista. Um, so it's a focus it's a website that is focused primarily on market research, on market data. They've been around for a significantly long time, but they are an awesome site for gathering insights and information. They do a lot of research that is for free, but a lot, some of it is paid. But I really do rely on them heavily for gathering insights. Another great resource is eMarketer.com. So eMarketer is a great one for gathering insights and information that you can trust. And again, it's focused around marketing research. Another one that I focus on is Pew Research. So I think a lot of us are familiar with Pew. Um, the Pew Research Center has tons of data on millennials and how we use technology. It has tons of data on diversity, on public opinions, on demographic research, media content, you name it, it covers it. And I really love some of the work that they've been doing recently. And I embrace their content quite a bit as well. The other piece and the other approach that I take for gathering research is going directly to journals. So I spend a lot of time on Google Scholar going through journals, going through papers and studies that have been published on different theories and ideas. And I look at them for insights that a lot of other people may have ignored because they're not reading the journals and things of that nature. So there's tons of data out there, like you said. Not all of it is accurate. Not all of it is always right. But I like to go to kind of those types of sources when I'm looking for some hard-hitting research. Absolutely. And great advice, uh, DMIT. Google doesn't have everything. So just to point out those things, uh, statista.com is a great resource, uh, eMarketer as well. And Google Journals, as I mentioned, or, or scholar, scholarly articles are a good way to see what's published out there. And we're going to stop there. And, and Ross, I want to thank you again for bringing so much information into the, the podcast and the show. And you know, digital marketing is a huge field. Ourselves, we have a, a pretty uh, extensive digital marketing team trying to do a lot of things, but definitely being able to focus, especially on content and the whole premise of being content first oriented and surrounding your team and making your team around that focus is, is a really great strategy. And I uh, want to thank you again for coming on the show, being a part of it. And we'll definitely talk soon. Thanks for having me on, Jeremy. It's been a pleasure chatting with you, and I hope your listeners got a lot of this. Indeed. Thanks again.